Glad that you uh, have chosen to join us. Welcome to Trinity. You can uh, find your way to your seat. Um, we are uh, about to uh, enjoy a time of worship together, and we're going to worship God in many ways, and we love to see the, the fellowship and the excitement because uh, maybe there are some people you haven't seen in a while and you're reconnecting, and so we love that. And so this morning we get to worship even through fellowship because it's pleasing to the Lord and blesses his heart uh, when we get to fellowship with one another in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so God has given us this new day. And so we gather to begin our new week together, uh, worshiping the Lord and hearing from his word. And that's what we're going to do in just a moment. And so today is uh, traditionally called Palm Sunday. And this is the beginning of uh, what's called Holy Week or Passion Week. 
uh, remembering the account of Jesus last week on this earth during his earthly ministry. And um, uh, so today we're going to hear all about that triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And so we welcome all of you and those who are are watching through our live stream. We welcome you uh, also as well, of course. And um, what I want to do now is I want to read from the word of the Lord. This is a selected reading from Psalm 118. It's a fitting psalm for today, and we'll look at that a little bit later during our, our message. But from Psalm 118, a selected reading as our call to worship. So allow the word of the Lord to, uh, to sink deep into your hearts this morning. And as I read it aloud now, um, just understand too that the word of God was written initially to be listened to, to be read aloud. And so listen to the word of the Lord from Psalm 118. And then we will enter into a time of worship through song on this very special Palm Sunday. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. For the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, and the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. For the Lord is good, and he has made his light to shine upon us. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Let's stand together and pray into a time of worship. Father, how grateful we are to be in this place together. As we reflect on these words from Psalm 118, that your steadfast love endures forever, and it endures forever in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the stone whom the builders rejected. Father, we have come to honor him and to worship him as living stones crying out, Praising you, Hosanna and Hallelujah, for saving us. So, Father, this time of worship through song now, we desire that it would bless you, that it would be a sweet sound to your ear. And, Father, may the words of truth that we sing with our mouths 
May they bless you and honor you, and may they change us even as we have come to offer ourselves to you. And Father, may the music move and stir our emotions and our spirit that together as one, as the church and the body of Christ, that we would honor you with our lips. Father, this time of worship is for you. We have come to offer this to you. And we do so in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, let's worship together.
Father, yes, it's your breath in our lungs, Father God. It's your breath, for you have given us life. So this time of worship is for you, Lord God. May our lungs continue to praise you, Lord, every moment of every day. Jesus, you deserve it all. And so we give it to you. In your name we praise you. And amen and amen. Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody right near you. Say good morning in the name of the Lord. church we can make our way back to our seats as uh, as the kids made their way down the hallway have their time of worship and in the word uh, it is so good again to be here I trust that you were blessed during our time of worship and uh, how, how fitting it is right that we would sing um, that we would sing that Jesus would come back even so come Lord we are waiting and uh, that song rings true because we are to be the church waiting, right? Because we are called the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ waiting for Christ, our broom, uh, groom, to come back. And so we are so very um, thankful that we can anticipate, but with joy, a joyous anticipation for the Lord Jesus, the bridegroom, to come back for us. And so it is good to sing those words, isn't it? Just as a great reminder that we are waiting for him, but until then, we are to continue to praise him and to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing. And so before we get into God's word today, just want to have a few uh, highlights of what we call church life. And we 
we'll take a break for today and next week from our journey through the, the book of First Peter. Of course, today being Palm Sunday, so we're going to look at the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And then next week, of course, is Resurrection Sunday, and so uh, we'll have a special message and presentation there as well. And so just wanted to highlight you, uh, uh, highlight a few things. Um, yep, and so um, see if we can get that working. No, this is usual. We have some kind of issue, and so let's see. Hey, the issue was user error. I didn't turn it on. It's always, there you go. How about that? That'll work. And so, of course, this is something we've been promoting for a while, um, and uh, it is this coming Wednesday, the 13th, and it starts at 6.30, but this is our Christ in the Passover. It's our full Seder meal and presentation, and this will be led by uh, our missionary, two of our missionary partners, Scott and Corey Schwartz. They will be here to lead us in this presentation. You remember, it's a full meal. The meal is provided by the church. And so uh, you don't have to rush home from work to fix a meal. Just be here before 6.30 and grab a seat. Uh, and uh, it'll be a wonderful time. And especially if you've never been to one, it's, it's so unique and, uh, um, and so fulfilling to hear about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all the elements of the traditional Jewish Passover uh, Seder meal. And so they'll have a, we'll have a full meal and the presentation of all the elements. And so I do, uh, I guarantee that you will be blessed by it. So we have more than 30 people already signed up, and so we're quite excited. And uh, uh, we would love to have more. We can certainly accommodate more. So uh, make it a point to do that and uh, sign up uh, to, uh, to come and join us this Wednesday. All right. And then, of course, Friday is our Good Friday service at 7 p.m., and uh, we will have a time of remembrance of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, communion as well. Because uh, remember, in order to get to Sunday, we have to go through Friday. And so it's a very uh, unique and special time of remembrance, that service. And so uh, hopefully you can come and join us for that time this Friday. And then, of course, next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, right? And so we get to celebrate, as we do all the time as believers in Jesus Christ, but especially on this day, uh, the victory won by Christ. And, of course, the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection, is God the Father accepting the payment from the Son for our sins and Him offering Himself to us. And so that is next Sunday, and part of our service will include... A special presentation by our Trinity kids, so make sure you join us for that. So that is next Sunday morning at 10.30 as usual. And so, of course, today is Palm Sunday, and so you can open your Bibles. We're going to look at it in just a minute or two. To Matthew 21, that's where we'll be this morning. Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. And this is that account of what we call the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It is, um, it is um, an event that is not only historic, but it has momentous uh, magnitude and meaning for us as believers today. And that's what we're going to look at today. As the crowds waved their palms and laid them down and laid down their cloaks, for the incoming king, we learn so much about the people, about Jesus, and what he came to do. And so we will look at this triumphal entry found in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And so as our, um, 
a time of just to, to wrap our minds around all that it means for Jesus to come into to Jerusalem on that day, that specific day. I want to show this video, and this is a video I like to show here at church at least once a year, and many of you have seen it before. If you have, pay attention to all of the descriptions, all of the names of Jesus Christ. For this morning, as we open our Bibles to Matthew 21, we will look at who is this Jesus. So let's watch this together, and then we'll open the Scriptures and learn about who Jesus truly is. Says, my king is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Any fault in him, terror couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Hallelujah. 
I wonder, do you know him? All those beautiful descriptions of Jesus Christ, do you know him? Have you ever met somebody famous? Maybe somebody that um, you didn't expect to meet or somebody you had been longing to meet. Somebody famous that you have known from afar. You've seen them on TV or seen them play in a, in a sporting event. Somebody famous that we would call a celebrity. Have you ever met somebody like that? Think about what was that like? Did that event, that occurrence of meeting that celebrity, did it meet your expectations? We often hear about people meeting uh, somebody they consider a hero, a celebrity, somebody they look up to, but then afterwards they kind of feel let down because they didn't meet their expectations of who they thought that person was. See, it's one thing to know about a person because you've heard of them or perhaps seen them. But it's a very different thing altogether to actually know a person. Is that right? And so the crowds that met Jesus that day, <clears throat> excuse me, that day, when he entered into Jerusalem riding on the donkey, they were shouting out, Hosanna. <clears throat> Hosanna in the highest praising God, saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They recognized Jesus as the son of David, but did they really know him? What were the crowd's expectations of this Jesus? Why were they shouting Hosanna in the highest? You see, the truth is that as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the crowds, the large crowds who were shouting and waving their palm branches around, very few knew actually who he was. The true Jesus that we just saw described in that video and so much more. Church, it is a great reminder for us. Do we know him? Do we know him for who the Bible says that he is? Do we know him for who the scriptures say that he did and what he did for us and for the world? We can learn a lot from this account of the triumphal entry. I'm going to read it now. It'll be up on the screen for you as well. This is from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. This is actually an account, one of the few that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. This is Matthew's account. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. 
they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. It's our reading from the word of the Lord this morning. What does that word Hosanna mean? Do you ever think about that? We, we know from this account a very um, well-known account in the, in the life of Jesus Christ, of course, beginning the last week of his ministry, and we call it Holy Week. We call it the Passion Week. It's the beginning of the week that leads up to Easter. It's between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. There is so much, church, that happens during this week, and it all begins here on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. And we see this account of these crowds, the throngs calling out and raising their voices, shouting, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna has become sort of a, a, a word of praise to God, but what it truly means is it means save us now. It means please, we beseech you to rescue us. See, that's what the crowds were shouting. It's important to know that. They weren't just saying, yay, it's Jesus. They were saying, save us, prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Save us, rescue us. Well, the question for this morning is, what did they want him to do? From whom did they want him to save them? And what did they need rescuing from? See, it makes all the difference in the world, church, to understand who they thought Jesus was. Who were they expecting and what did they think he would do for them? Again, it's one thing to know about someone because you've heard of them. But it's a very different thing to say that you actually know someone. So this is the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem. We know from, uh, from other texts and scriptures that he came from the east on a, a road from Jericho, and he approached the city, the town of Bethpage, on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. He was making his way up to Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem, church, is up on a mountain. It's up on a hill. And so all the roads that lead to Jerusalem, at some point, they have to then go up. They were on the road from Jericho up to Jerusalem by way of Bethpage on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. And following him, see, there were crowds waiting for him, but there were also crowds that were following him. These were like pilgrims. And why? Because this was a time of a great feast in Jerusalem. Church, there would have been millions of people in the city. Because during the times of the feast, especially the, the seven feasts that God gives the people of Israel to, to celebrate, to come back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship God the Father, 
there would have been millions of Jews coming from all around the known world, speaking all kinds of languages, and they were coming into Jerusalem for the feast. And they were following Jesus as pilgrims for the Passover feast. They knew of his wonders, of course. They knew of his miracles. See, church, Jesus was a famous celebrity. The vast majority of people had never met him. Think about that. There were thousands that heard him, that followed him. There were millions that had heard about him in Jerusalem. There were these crowds shouting, Hosanna. But look at verse 10. It says, when he entered Jerusalem... The whole city, of course, had heard about this great celebrity, the prophet, that was coming into town, into their city, and look what they said. Who is this? Who is stirring up all this commotion? And the crowds that were singing Hosanna, that were shouting it, they said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. But what did they want him to do? Why were they so excited? What were they expecting of Jesus? They knew of his wonders. They knew of all of his miracles. They were singing psalms and songs. They would have been traditionally singing from Psalms 113 to 118, which is the, the psalm that I read from earlier to open our time of worship. It was part of what's called the great Hallel, the great Hallelujah, the songs of praise and thanksgiving. See, all these pilgrims would have been following Jesus and then those waiting for him at the city, these crowds, they would have been singing these very familiar songs, these ancient songs of the Jewish tradition, songs of praise and thanksgiving. And part of it comes from Psalm 118. See, the words that we see from from uh, Matthew 21, come right from this psalm. Psalm 118, verses 25 to 26. Save us, we pray, O Lord. That's where we get the word Hosanna. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Hosanna, O Lord, we pray, give us success. See, that's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to give them success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What do you expect? from Jesus. We check our hearts this morning and say, is he a mere celebrity to us? Is he somebody that we have heard about, heard a lot about, somebody we think that we know, but only from a distance? Well, we truly know the Savior and why he was truly coming into the city. See, the big difference is this. The crowds, the pilgrims, the city, they were expecting Jesus to come as a mighty king, a king to overthrow the Romans who were oppressing them, the Jews, and occupying their land. See, the people of Israel knew something about occupation and persecution, didn't they? See, in their history, they had been persecuted and, and occupied by the Assyrians and the Persians, the the Babylonians in there, and then, of course, the Greeks, and now the Romans. You see that? You go from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Persians, and the Greeks, and now the Romans throughout their history, that's really all they knew. An occupying country come and conquering them and oppressing them. So now it was the Romans, and so the people are shouting, Hosanna, why? 
They're saying, Jesus, come and save us from the Romans. Overthrow them. We'll take up arms with you, and we can overthrow the Romans in a military battle of might. That's what they expected from Jesus. But here he comes riding on a donkey. He comes riding into Jerusalem. Here comes the king, the prince of peace. He's not riding on a white stallion as victor. He's coming in as a humble servant king, coming to bring peace to Jerusalem. We'll see that unfold as we go through this morning. And so most of the inhabitants of the city and the pilgrims, they didn't know him. They only heard of him, and that's important. We understand that. So then they asked, who is this? Who is this? What was Jesus' purpose that day? It was to make public the claim to be the Messiah, the King of Israel. I mean, he had continued to tell his disciples over and over. He said, don't yet tell anybody who I truly am, because he knew the time was not yet right. But also, let's pause for a moment, park here for a second, and we don't want to miss this. Jesus also came into Jerusalem that day, church, to fulfill prophecy. See, prophecy is those words of the Old Testament, right, that predicted the coming Messiah. There were so many predictions of prophetic words about the coming Messiah, and do you know that Jesus fulfilled every one of them perfectly and 100% accurately? Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ fulfilled so many prophecies, and in this one week alone, from the triumphal entry from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, to Easter Sunday, Jesus fulfilled prophecy after prophecy, but yet the people still didn't recognize him. Most of them didn't recognize him for who he truly was. Let's look just briefly at some of these prophecies that he fulfilled. In Daniel 9, 25, we see the, the prophecy of the triumphal entry on this day. There was this prophecy, remember, given by the angel Gabriel to the prophet Daniel about 600 years before Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem until the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Now, in the past, we've gone through in detail this prophecy. It's a major prophecy about what is to come in the future. Fulfilled in Christ, but there's more to this prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. But here it says, from a decree, from the word to restore, which is actually found in Nehemiah 2. You want to learn uh, historically about that, that uh, d decree? We know it actually happened, so we have the date and the year that that decree was given for actually for, um, the, for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Read about it in Nehemiah 2. Until the coming of the anointed one, a prince, that is Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. There shall be seven weeks. You can read more and learn more about what that seven weeks represents. But there's a time frame there. See, the prophecy was given that Jesus would enter into Jerusalem that the anointed one would come in. And we know actually to the day, is that amazing? To that day, from the day that decree was given in Nehemiah 2, 
until that day on that calendar that Jesus wrote into Jerusalem, it was prophesied about, and Jesus fulfills that prophecy. How about in Zechariah 9.9? We see this, it says, um, great, uh, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this is the prophecy that even Matthew includes in his account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Matthew knew it, and he's saying, look, Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy given way back in the Old Testament by the prophet Zechariah. Look at how specific the prophecy is, church, and how Jesus told his disciples, go get the donkey and bring it here because the master has need of it, and he does it to fulfill the prophecy. We, we cannot let this be lost on us. John 1, 11. How about this? We know that he was to be rejected by his own nation. It said in, uh, in Daniel 9, 26, it said in that same prophecy that after that time, the Messiah would be cut off. So from the time of Nehemiah 2, until Jesus comes into Jerusalem, there would be that time of weeks, and then the Messiah will be cut off. And look what it says in John 1, 1 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. Does that sound like being cut off? That's what happened. Jesus was rejected. See, Jesus came, church, to the people of Israel to offer himself as their Messiah, the awaited king, to usher in the kingdom. But they rejected him as a whole. A few believed. But on a whole, they rejected their coming king. They rejected the king so there would be no earthly kingdom. They didn't recognize him for who he truly was and what he came to truly do. So it was prophesied that he would be cut off and of course, we know he was rejected in fulfillment of prophecy. There are so many others. I won't even give you all the scriptures, but do you know that it was prophesied about that the Messiah would be innocent? Of course, he faced many trials. They were all false mock trials. He was innocent. It, it was predicted long ago in the Old Testament he would be silent before his accusers. Did he say a word with Pontius Pilate? It was predicted that there'd be gambling for his clothing. He would be pierced. No bones would be broken. He would be crucified between thieves, buried in a rich man's tomb. And it was, of course, prophesied that the Messiah would be resurrected from the dead. And so many more things, church, during this holy week. He fulfills prophecy after prophecy. Uh, I'll give you something, a little bit of homework. This week, I recommend that you read Isaiah chapter 53. Go home and read Isaiah 53, and you'll see many of these prophecies just in that one chapter and see how Jesus Christ himself fulfilled them. They were shouting, Hosanna, but who do they think that he was? They wanted a military leader. They wanted a general to come in, one to, to kick out the oppressors and the occupiers. But unfortunately, we know, were their expectations met? They were not. Why? Because in a few short days, their cries of Hosanna would turn to what? Crucify him. It didn't take long 
for them to realize that their expectations of who they thought this Jesus was was not who he really truly was. They didn't see him. They didn't recognize him. So their expectations were dashed. Hmm. Many people still create a picture of Jesus that is not accurate. We want to make sure we don't do that. There's many people, and we meet them all the time, that claim to know Jesus, but is it the Jesus of the Bible? Is it the Jesus who fulfilled all these prophecies? Is it the Jesus who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on the day that was prophesied? He kept telling the disciples, wait, don't tell anybody who I am yet. Don't tell them I'm the Messiah. Why? Because it is not yet time. Do you remember the very first miracle Jesus performed? Turning the water into wine at the, the, the wedding in Cana, remember that? And his mother Mary came and said, Jesus, you got to do something about it. What was Jesus' first response? He said, it's not the right time. The time has not come yet. See, Jesus knew what he had come to do but the people didn't see it. How different is the picture of Jesus, church? How different is the picture that the world was expecting at the time, and how different is the picture that we expect? Instead of riding in on a stallion, he rode in on a donkey. Instead of riding in as a war hero, he rode in on a beast of burden. Instead of a conquering king, he was a lowly servant. Instead of wearing a royal robe as a king, he wore humble clothes. Instead of bringing war, he brought peace. Instead of bringing temporal peace and victory, he brought an eternal victory. His was spiritual and not earthly. His was an everlasting peace and not temporary. He defeated sin and not armies. Church, you remember that account of when um, uh, Jesus was, was in a, in a house, a small house, and, and he was teaching, and the house was packed. It was standing room only. And there was people outside looking in. And you remember there was a group of guys who wanted their friend who was lame, who couldn't walk, to be healed. Remember what they did? They got on the roof, and they cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down. Remember? Can you just picture that? And they did that because they believed Jesus could heal him. But what was the first thing Jesus said to this lame man? Your sins are forgiven. But then he healed him and he got up and walked. You see? Jesus came to save sinners. He came to heal broken hearts. He came as Savior for sin and not, not to bring war. He came to bring peace. Hmm. His power was in compassion and mercy and love, not by force. He came to conquer hearts and minds and not nations. I'll say that again. Jesus came to conquer hearts and minds and not nations. It was not by Messiah's use of force and power and nor by the death of Messiah's enemies that the kingdom was to be brought about, but it was about the Messiah's death at the hand of his enemies. It was not triumph from a worldly sense which would bring in the kingdom, but the tragedy of the cross. Even many Christians are under the impression that the way of God is all about miracles and healing and wonders and prosperity. 
We know God is about those things, but the way of our Lord was truly one of rejection and suffering and pain. You couldn't get more different than that. As followers of Christ, we are expected to take up our cross, even as Jesus said, our our theme verse for this year. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, right, if you want to follow me and be my disciples, what does he say? Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Does that sound like a warrior king coming to overthrow the Roman occupiers? We don't want to miss this point. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering, of carrying burdens and enduring trials, the Lord offers us peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Can you look at that for a second with me again? He says, I give you my peace, but look at what he says. He qualifies it. He says, not as the world gives do I give you. Jesus is saying there is only one true peace offered to us. There might be other ways that we can find peace in our life. Peace, right? Even if it's momentary peace from trials and struggles, we find all different ways to avoid those things and to try to overcome them. Jesus says, the peace I give, and we don't want to miss this, the peace I give is not like the world gives. The only true peace is found in Jesus Christ. We say amen to that? He is the only true prince of peace. Jesus' purpose for riding into Jerusalem was to make public his claim to be their Messiah, the King of Israel. He did receive, in a way, the, the coronation of a king, the royal reception, the, the robes and, the, and the, the palm branches were laid down. But it was all under the false assumptions of how he was to bring about peace. And when the crowd's expectations were not met, when he failed to bring peace by the sword, they quickly turned on him. Aren't we prone to sometimes do the same thing? When what we want Jesus to do for us, he does not do, and our expectations aren't met, do we then turn away from Jesus, even if it's for a moment? What are our expectations, our great expectations for the great Lord Jesus? Do we know just about him, or do we truly know him? Many still reject the living stone, as Jesus has called him, in order to build their lives on their own foundation. See, we can be good at that. We build our lives with our own stones. We we build it in our own way. We try to do it with our own hands to create something we can claim for our own instead of building our lives on the foundation of the true living stone. The stone we read earlier, the cornerstone the builders rejected. Did you see that before? See those words? The cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself, whom the builders rejected. That cornerstone, when you're building a building, is so key. Because you have that cornerstone, and every other stone is laid after that in measurement, lining up to that cornerstone. Do we build our lives as Christians 
starting with the foundation of the true cornerstone, the one the builders had rejected. If we have accepted him, do we continue to build our lives on him? Or are we building our own, our own creation by our own hands with our own stones that are dead and not living as Jesus Christ? If you do know him, how well do you know him? If you're here this morning and you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sin and believe that Jesus is the only one who could do that for you, how well do you know him? How often do you open your Bible and read about Jesus, that video that we saw earlier? How many of those things had you heard before? Do you appreciate and long to know more about all those things that we heard proclaimed in that video are just the tip of the iceberg for who truly Jesus is. And the scriptures tell us all about him. We certainly don't want to be like the crowds, shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us, but expecting him to do something that he didn't come to do. Do we trust in Jesus for who he is and what he has come to do? And I end with this. There'll be one more verse from Luke 19, 41 to 42, and verse 44. See, Jesus, as he rode into Jerusalem, he wept. Did you know that? Why did he cry? Why did Jesus cry? Because they did not truly know who he was. You see that? To most of the crowds, he was just a celebrity. Somebody they had heard rumors about, all the miracles and wonders, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and the, the healing of the lame and the casting out of demons, all those things he did. Most people didn't truly know him for who he was. They had only heard about him. Or even worse yet, they thought they knew who he was. They expected a king to ride in on a stallion and, and overthrow the Roman government. And here comes a humble servant, dressed not as a royal king, dressed in plain clothes, riding on a donkey. And he wept because they did not know him. The peace that he offered, they didn't know. And when he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it and he said, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now, now they are hidden from your eyes because you did not know the time of your visitation. How profound and how prophetic. Jesus rides into Jerusalem to fulfill prophecy. He came to bring peace. If only the people would have known him. If only they would have known him. Now here's the thing. These Jews, being good Jews, they would have known all the scriptures, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament books. They would have heard them and known them, and many of them even memorized them as they awaited their Messiah. And Jesus wept because he knew what would happen in a few short days. Can you just picture it for just a moment? If you're Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the crowds are shouting Hosanna and welcoming you and so excited to see you, but does not he know their hearts and what they wanted from him? And before he met them, he looked at that city and he wept 
And he said, would that you, he says, even you, meaning especially you, my, my father's chosen people, my chosen people, you knew the words about me. Even you had known on this day, see, fulfilling prophecy on that particular day, riding into Jerusalem, on this day did you not know you should have known the things that would bring you true peace, which starts in here. But he says, now because you're going to reject me, these things which have been revealed will now be hidden because you didn't know the time of your visitation. Jesus saying, because you didn't know. You heard the truth, but yet you weren't looking for the true Messiah. If you're here this morning, you have not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins. Have you heard the gospel? Have you understood who Jesus truly is? Because now the ball's in your court. Once you hear and know the truth, it is yours to accept it or reject it. But we need to understand who Jesus truly is. That he is who he says he is, the Son of God, the coming Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. And that he did what he said he was going to do. He comes into Jerusalem knowing in a few short days he would be arrested and tried and tortured and mocked and sacrificed on a cross. A brutal death. But he knew how it would end. And on the third day, he would come back to life just as the scriptures prophesied they would. Do you recognize Jesus for who he truly is? You know what? If you're here today and you do know him as Savior and Lord, do you know we don't need to shout, shout Hosanna? We can shout it, yes, as a word of praise, but in its true meaning, we do not need to shout Hosanna. Save us and rescue us. Why? Because he has already done it. Amen? When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has rescued us and saved us once and for all. We don't need to shout Hosanna. We can shout Hallelujah, which means praise God. Praise God for saving me. And we are now witnesses of God's salvation to all of those who still need rescuing. Church, let's stand and pray. You know, as we sang earlier, even so come. That we want to be a church, the bride waiting for our Messiah to return because we are those people of hope and people of peace that are eagerly awaiting with joy, a great anticipation for Jesus to come back for us. But in the meantime, we are to worship him and to be his witnesses. You know, the Pharisees and the leaders told Jesus, they said, you better tell the crowds to be quiet. All these followers of you, of yours, and Jesus said, I can't do that. Because if they were to be silent, even these rocks would cry out. We are now part. We are now part of that living structure called the body. We are those living stones being built up, representing Jesus Christ. Let us now go in peace being those representatives of Jesus Christ, being the witnesses to the miracle of salvation in Christ and in him alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.
for your goodness and your grace to us this morning, reminding us through song that we are to be waiting for you. And while we do, we're going to worship you. We're going to tell others about who the true Messiah is. But Father, would you also help us to continue to search the scriptures, to learn more and more, to know more and more in a deeper and more intimate way this Jesus Christ, Lord, so we would have the right great expectations for you, Jesus, and who you say you are and what you will do for us as your followers. Lord, we trust in you. So would you now, through your Holy Spirit, go before us, and this week, may we remember the words we read this morning about that triumphal entry and all of the prophecies, Jesus, you came to fulfill. God, may we please. Just have the courage to proclaim those to all those people we will meet this week. But Father, we look forward. We look forward to Sunday. Yes, Lord, we have to go through Friday to get through Sunday. But Lord, we look forward to Sunday when we can proclaim that he is risen and he is risen indeed. Lord, we know it to be true. And we, we, we uh, Father God, we celebrate it every day. So Lord, now bless us and keep us. Shine your face upon us. Would you give us peace that only you can give? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go in peace. Let's go in peace. Praise the Lord.
Reporter reporting live from. Okay. Oh, that one? That one Donnie says on, right? Yeah. Uh, it says on, right? Go ahead, Steve. Hi, I'm Ace Reporter reporting live from the city of every place. I'm interviewing people this Easter about what Easter means to them. And, yeah. It's going to be Parker and maybe yeah. Avery can go. Okay, so you can pretend with her for now. Hey, tell me what Easter means to you. Chocolate bunny, lots of eggs, hey egg, and candy. What about Jesus? Ma'am, can you tell me what Easter means to you? It's a new outfit complete with the hat. I bet I'll look more glamorous than 85% of the women at church today. Maybe 90, actually 100. What, a, what about Jesus? What about, it's not your part. What about Jesus? What does, what does Easter mean to you? And then Rashawn said, ham, turkey. Now, you don't hold the mic. She's a reporter. She's going to give you the mic. Oh, oh yeah. So go ahead. Uh, Rashawn says, rub your belly, Chris. Ham. A glorious feast complete with, with, wait, I can't even read it. Oh. Hello, one, two. Hello. A glorious feast complete with ham and pies and cakes. I know. What about Jesus? What does Easter mean to you? Resurrection and the promise of eternal life. Finally, someone who understands the true meaning of Easter. Who are you, sir? Give me a mic. Well, I think you know. I think you know. Okay, and then you have a lot 
you should be like. Um, to the front, go to your microphones, and we're going to go into indescribable. Okay, turn that off. Lay it down. Okay, then you guys will go right into indescribable. You are amazing, God. Right away. But yeah. Is this one good? Hello? Uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Powerful. Untamable. You see the depths of my heart and you know the same. No what I mean. A person, a person who, who believes in things when only felt or seen, or, or do you have the faith to come to and live, life, 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 love, love, love <laughs> within your heart. Believe in him without a doubt from the very start. No scientific evidence, no hands-on verification, no facts, no forms, no proof at all, no valid confirmation. Just a feeling deep inside that God is in control. His knowledge comes from not the mind, but deep within the soul. Wait, what? Why don't you do this for like, for like thunder? No. Uh, can we do the, the um, script thingy? Wait, are we doing the script thingy? Yeah. Okay. You gotta be like that. And it's good! Oh god, that was loud. Okay, get it, man. Alright guys, come down, come down, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. 
Porter, reporting live from the city of every place. I'm interviewing people this Easter about what Easter means to them. Oh, wait, have it, wait. Just get up there and start again. Hi, I'm Ace Reporter, reporting from uh, reporting live from the city of every place. I'm interviewing people this Easter about what Easter means to them. Hey, what does Easter mean to you? Taki la no, taki wabi. Lots of eggs and lots of candy. What about Jesus? Oh wait. Oh yeah. Wait, wait. Oh Abby. Okay. Oh. Here. Hi, I'm Ace Reporter, reporting live from the city of every place. I'm interviewing people this Easter about what Easter means to them. Come on, 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 come on. Okay, pocket bunny. No, tell you Okay. Hey, what does Easter mean to you? Hunting for chocolate rabbits. Hunting for eggs. And lots of, I'm reading what it says. Chocolate rabbits. Chocolate rabbits. Hunting for eggs, and lots of candy. Turn. Oh, Avery! No, let's do it. Okay. What about Jesus? Ma'am, can you tell me what Easter means to you? It's a new outfit complete with a new hat. I'll bet I'll look more glamorous than 85% of the people in church today. Maybe 90, actually 100. <laughs> what about Jesus? What about Jesus? What does Easter mean to you? A glorious feast complete with ham and pies. Okay, good. What about Jesus? What does Easter mean to you? The resurrection and promise of eternal life. The promise and the resurrection and promise of eternal life. Find someone who understands the true meaning of Easter. Who are you, sir? From the highest of heights, you should know by now. Exclaiming, inescapable.
every lightning bolt where it should go. sun and give source to its
wish you that you might get on a you. So we just Let me honor you. Okay.